Hey everybody, Josh Sheridan here with the Barely Legal Podcast. On today's show, we have Woody Bond. Um, do you go by Woody? Yeah. All right. Is your Christian name Elwood or Woody? Uh, the full name is actually Robert Elwood Bond the third. It's a oh, it's a family how, name. How bougie? You yeah. Know, so you saw, I feel like you should be running a brothel in New Orleans or something. <laughs> Um, yeah, it, it's, so my grandpa, my dad, and then I, um, but my dad's gone by Bob, Robbie and stuff like that. My grandpa went by Woody when he was in high school and then went by Elwood. And so it's just, they were like, yep, that's well, your name. Woody or Elwood are both fucking rad for, yeah. for any number of reasons. So that, and, that'll do. Yeah. And so I, um, as I got older and it's way easier to explain Woody from Elwood than Woody from Robert. So I usually just go by Elwood as like my, like, I guess like business right. name and then and go by what do you anyone, anyone i know so i'm one of my uncles has cerebral palsy and if you know anybody with cerebral palsy or have ever dealt with anybody you know they're they, they can have a speech impediment yeah and so pretty much on my mom's side of the family no one goes by the real name and everybody everybody's nickname for each other is phonetically based on what the oh, uncle with cerebral palsy yeah. sounds your name out like so everybody's like what why is there it's like because that's how that's how he says it. So that's how we all said it. Now, I, in one way, in one way, it could seem like mockery, but the other way, I thought it was cool because, like, okay, everybody's going to talk like you talk instead of everybody you trying to talk like everybody else. Yeah. Talks. So it's kind of inclusive and yeah, cool in a, like in, a, in a weird way. Anyway, yeah. so Woody is a musician, accomplished, uh, plays in all manner of different types of uh, bands, performances, theaters, troops. Whatever you want to call it. He's a music teacher. He's got his music education as a teacher for those special needs. Uh, I also just found out today, which was kind of cool that he's a, he's a jujitsu fan. So I got that to talk with him about too. But kind of the connection here is he is the drummer for vacancy and Elliot, who is my trusty legal assistant is the singer for vacancy. And I fucking love vacancy. Uh, I include them on like every playlist that I share with people of like hardcore music that I love. The song weekends, W E A K space ends instead of weekends is like one of my favorite songs. I listen to that song almost every other day. Mm, nice. I'm really stoked <laughs> to hear you guys come out with a long play or something, you know, bigger. I, I, I guess that's kind of in the works. Maybe we can touch on that in a little bit. That's the plan. Yeah. yeah. Now is it weekends? I'm sorry. Is it vacancy or is it wreath that just added a fourth member? Um, well, if you don't know, it's wreath. So, or maybe we, it's both. <laughs> so this is one of those things is like, maybe it's not out yet. Okay. We, we are now, um, we'll edit it in pros production. Yeah. We'll, team, we'll, we'll buzz it out. We'll hit the cough, <laughs> the cough button. Um, you don't have to name who it is. It can just be a spoiler. We, I mean, um, I, so I joined vacancy like right before the pandemic. Right. Hit. Right. Um, like yeah, Elliot I, had amazing time and he released wreath LP, and you started va- like right at the COVID and just yeah. took a shit on everybody. Um, actually, the vacancy show with Portrayal of Guilt was the last DIY show I've been to. Right. Um, that was, I think, the 9th of March. And then the world stopped turning. So yeah. I, um, we haven't really had a, a lot of time to like really get grooving with it. But we've talked about adding a fourth member. Um, and so we're working with it. But it hasn't really been like talked about publicly yet i do this a lot like I've, I've ruined secrets like this for several bands so i apologize that's fine as long as this part's like cut out and we can we can just be like well just not oh i'll have to tell mike mike cut this part out talk, <laughs> or, or beep it out or just play play something over it i don't know play a drum solo we'll get Woody to submit us a drum solo uh, uh in any event um it's 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 we're it's back on now we're back on now okay yeah <laughs> so uh in any event so uh now where are you from originally are you a florida guy or Tampa, yeah are you so born and raised um big family small family uh it's pretty small my mom dad brother and i my both sides of my family are pretty big yeah but like down down here my nucleus family is what's your lineage like are you english um you know, irish scottish german jewish to my knowledge it is predominantly german and irish okay um i have seen the family crest for uh, the actual the original bond one actually is b-o-h-n okay i think it was when immigration from germany got changed to to bond because they're just like that sounds like that and yeah wrote it down 
Um, and then my mom is very, very, very Irish. And like my grandma's last name was O'Donnell. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, it's predominantly those two. Raised in the church, outside of the church? Catholic school. Okay. Um, I went to Catholic school for seven years. What's, what's school? Most Holy Redeemer. Okay. Which is now Mother Teresa of Calcutta. It moved from um, Limebaum, Florida. It moved up to, I think, moved Port Ritchie. It, like, just moved. Wow. That's, like, a several big changes. Yeah. I guess um, I was looking at news stories about it when, they, when it moved. I guess, like, the students predominantly, well, like, used to, like, live really close to like forest hills so because used to walk there and then it went to be in like carolwood and loose and they're like well let's move the whole school yeah and yeah. so it was there for like 50 years before like changing names and moving wow um was religion a big part of your life early on i mean i know you went to catholic school but that doesn't necessarily mean home life was you know heavy in that and the reason i asked this is it kind of gets into musical roots and things like that um yeah i mean it was definitely a big part of it like we did all the i mean also just being at Catholic school for the longest right. time is like, you know, it's becomes a part of like just your everyday thing. And so, yeah, I was, I would say it was. So my, my interest is, uh, you know, at what point in people's life they get introduced to music or music sinks their hooks in them. And also the circumstances under which it happens and the environment that they're in, because I remember, you know, I went to St. Paul over in, uh, St. Pete, uh, St. Pete. And I remember like two live crew and, you know, uh, injustice for all and all these like, to me then like forbidden fruit that was yeah. all, all the more tasty because you weren't supposed to be listening to it. Yeah. And so that I, in, in a lot of ways, my Catholic upbringing, Catholic school informed what I listened to because I was seeking the, the, the darker side of things. Um, yeah. as kind of a rebellion. I don't know. Was that your experience or actually? No, my okay. parents weren't, weren't the kind of people to be like, you can't listen to that. Sure. Um, like my dad, like my dad listened to ACDC, listened to Scorpions. Oh really? Was, yeah. He was like super into that stuff. And what so, did he do for a living? Um, he, um, he was for the longest time. He was a, um, trucker. Oh he, really? Yeah. He used to work for Pepsi. He oh, did. but like local trucker. Yeah. And then he was local and then he actually did stuff like across the U.S. for, oh, like, wow. for a while too. Yeah. Um, and then my mom was. Well, of course he lives at ACDC. I mean, yeah. I think that's mandatory <laughs> in a truck for a truck driver. And then um, my mom actually worked at Bush Gardens 31 years. Oh, wow. Yep. So you've probably been there a million uh, I, times. I, I grew up there. Like, you know, I the mean, inner workings, the back ends and all that stuff. Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, she was there until she retired in 2004, 2005. Okay uh oh four that's what it was and, and tell me again about siblings uh one brother older brother how much older four years did he did he introduce you to music at all oh 100 oh, okay 100 <laughs> cool. percent. yeah all right cool that's I, I like talking about that stuff so um what was your first music that was your own like what was i don't mean that you played but like when did you really start to take ownership over what you were listening to what you liked and start to develop an idea of what it was that you're into um I don't know because it's it's it was definitely a middle school like, yeah like and so middle school for me was like wild because that was like when I first got into music but like I ska is what got me th like th through eighth grade but like prior to that like my first ownership I would probably say like newfound glory yeah, yeah. like newfound glory or like I was so close to being like a career mall goth yeah so like bands like msi uh -huh. and um i got really big into like afi for a long time sure but yeah. like I, I think newfound glory kind of predated that stuff too it was like right that whole like drive through records era how old like, are you i am 31 okay yeah all right well that makes sense um now are you a multi-instrumentalist or are drums your like was drums what you picked up and started with or did you start with the guitar or um i technically started on guitar but like i just didn't i didn't know what i was doing my dad had acoustic guitar and so strong on that out of tune just like made noise but like my brother played drums and then which then in turn meant i played drums because he didn't lock his door so i would just go in and play the drums. Door he wasn't there and then um so that was why I watched him for the longest time, but I kept on like wanting to go back to guitar. Yeah. And uh, it was funny. I was telling one of my, my private students about this too, was like, I was trying so hard to like play guitar for a band and then everyone needed drummers. So I was like, okay, I'll play drums. And here I am like, <laughs> well, drumming, you know, it's, it's a utility position and it's so, 
it's the, the foundation that everything is built on. You know, I've, I've through the course of hosting the show, spoken with a number of drummers. I've gotten to sit with a number of them in the studio. And even when they're recording and seeing like studio time is 95% the drummer and then 5% yeah, yeah. everybody else. <laughs> and, and so it's very, um, you know, that's the part you got to get right. And to have somebody who knows how to do it. And not only that, it's just a hard thing to, you know, guitar's so easy. You have your guitar, you jump on the bus, you jump on your bike, you go everywhere. Drums, you got to have a fucking minivan or a yeah. U-Haul or whatever. <laughs> you know, so it's just, it's not the most convenient thing for a kid to get into. Plus, you know, guitars, you know, you can play your acoustic in your room. You can you know, just not plug in your electric and play it. And you're fine with drums. I mean, even if you're throwing towels over the heads or whatever, it's, it's still, still loud, pretty yeah. loud and it's hard to hide. But I've just grown such an appreciation over the course of my love of music and even more recently for drumming. I, I can't do it at all, but I just something about it. It's funny. I'm going to make an analogy and I'll be interested to see if you agree with me. When you started jujitsu. Did you have any background in wrestling at all or any, anything like that? No. Oh, yeah. So as you know, the first six months to a year in jujitsu, you're like a baby horse learning to walk. Like, yeah. <laughs> like everything that you want to do with your body is kind of wrong. And, you know, all your reactions to things, your knee jerk reactions are kind of the, the last thing you want to do. Yeah. And so I don't know if it's because visually, I don't know why it is that it seems like I'm not going to say it's easier, but I feel like people who don't know instruments know what to do with a guitar more than they know what to do with drums. Now everybody can get up and bang the shit out of a drum. Yeah. That's fine. But I feel like it's more of an alien art form than some of the other stuff. It's a lot of it is like rubbing your head and patting your stomach, but like in. So the coordination part of it is, is it's all coordination. Well, well, coordination, timing, you know, all, all these, I mean, keeping the time and all that other stuff, but um, I don't know. I, I, I'm trying to think how I say it. You know, I've had uh, Dmitry Stoyanovich. I don't know if you know him. He's, I don't think so. He's, uh, he's in a band that I can't talk about for similar reasons to what we discussed earlier, <laughs> but he's, he's played a number of other bands. But, um, you know, I, I was like, how do you even write music? How do you write drums for a song? Cause like for guitar, I mean, if you're writing at all, you could just knock out a tab or, you know, it's like, okay, it's these power chords and I do this little riff and then blah, blah, blah. blah. But, for drums, I don't even know like what you do. And he's like, well, I just name all my parts. And then, so this is exactly it. Yeah. Yeah. So this part is times three. This part is one. Then it's back and forth, back and forth. And then this three times and we're done. And so it's, it's interesting, but uh, I've been watching lately. Have you seen that guy who can like hear a song once and then he can play yeah. on the drums? Um, and he's us using all these words and all these techniques that I just don't know about. And then the other thing, that was a big kind of eye-opening experience for me was listening to some interviews with Dale Crover from the Melvins. Yeah. And he talked a lot about stuff that you wouldn't think about, like spacing between heads and how high are your cymbals and how high is your seat and yeah. how far away are you sitting and just the movement, the stretching, the breathing, the whatever that, the, you know, I grew I'm 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 15 years older than you are so I came up in the Motley Crue Van Halen where it was bash a, yeah not only that but it was a 20 piece drum set which just mm -hmm. you know Tommy Lee spinning around upside down over the stage yeah but you know as I've learned and more it's like you can really have about four or five pieces and get every sound you need to out of it yeah and like that's like I used to be so particular about gear and heads and like there's a drum set sitting in my trunk right now because I'm like the weather's going to goof with it a little bit, but I know I can tune the heads. And I used to be like, oh, I need this snare. I'm like, what snare is in my car? That's the one I'm going to use today because it's been there the whole time. And I know it's going to sound good because it sounded good last time I used it. But what makes a good drum set? Like, what is, what is it? Is it, is it the, just the construction? Is it the materials? Is it the, mostly it's the bearing edge. So it's for me, for me at least. That's, so I don't even know what the fucking bearing is. So, so explain that to when me. you're looking at a drum, uh -huh. the, what, when you put a drum head on the actual drum, what touches the wood in the head is your bearing edge. So depending on who makes it, um, it could be cut differently. You could do a 45 degree, double 45, rounded 30, stuff like that. And so now is air escaping out of the side there? Or why does that matter? Is it, is it the, is it the connection between those two things? Is that, yeah. So you want it completely connected or do you want some give or do you, like what, how, how does it impact the sound? Um, it, So it's, I want to say it's like the, the double 45, which is like what a lot of those 
custom companies like Orange County um, Custom Drums, like Shine, Truth, SAC, I think they all did double 45s. And it's like a very, very, very like specific and very close bearing edge. So the tuning range, I believe, is better. I have an old or- Orange County scenario like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but they just, they sound different. Like, I think they have like what we'll call like baseball bat bearing edges, which is just like round. Sure. And so it depends. Like, it could be like proprietary, it can be, um, just whatever you want, but like usually like a 45 degree bearing edge is kind of like the standard, what most people kind of use and go for. Now, is there a bearing edge in a kick drum, a bass? Yep. Okay. All, all of them have it. They yeah. all have it. And is it usually uniform throughout or can you have some heads with different bearing edges from others? Would that ever happen? Or Yeah. Okay. If, I mean, if you order a drum set like custom made, you'd be like, I want these like specs on this. Yeah, yeah. exactly. There is, um, the guy from, I think the AKAs or the Academy is, they used to get like maple toms and a birch kick drum. Uh-huh. And that was like, they, they, that was lived, their thing. They, they lived by that. Yeah. Right. Right. So drums was your entry point band or your brother? Um, my brother, um, I didn't, I didn't do band when I was in, in school. Or Cause usually like when someone in my experience picks up drums, it's cause that's what they were doing in band. Yeah. I, so I tried actually, I went to Chamberlain high school very briefly. And when I was there, I signed up for like percussion and band with the full intention of like doing the whole marching band and like drum line thing. And they just like, didn't give me an instrument. <laughs> like, so I sat in the band room for like two full periods and like watching the band rehearse and like watching the drum line rehearse. What's that about? Oh, I mean, it was, was someone, it just a, a freshman kind of ruse, you know, they're just, um, looking at it now from like the music, ed, like the music ed standpoint, it was someone who was new to the school, did not do band in middle school. I, I maybe it was just like, I'm going to deal with this later. And then later became whoops. Never. It's yeah. December. <laughs> right, right, right. That's funny. So, um, what kind of set did your brother have? Oh, he was super into, into like new metal and metalcore. Yeah. So he had like the rack mount system, the d- double kick pedal, um, and just all that stuff. And I play on it because it was what I had. But like I've gone down, I do one rack tom, one floor tom, and two cymbals. But he had way more than that. So you know, re- going on your website, what I've heard from Elliot, kind of researching you a little bit though, your your musical tastes are kind of broad. I mean, it's yeah. not by any stretch just punk or hardcore i mean you've got a definitely a, a jazz mm-hmm. facet to you a theater facet to you uh did, did you pick those things up later how did you pick those things up where did those come to you from um the theater thing came out of me working with job site okay um and so i got explain re- job site to the people so job site theater is the resident theater company at the strata center downtown okay. um i've been playing drums for them since 2013 i've done about at least one show a year with them so if you see drums like or like or like a musical with job site, that's me You're down in the pit. Um, sometimes on stage. Yeah. Um, we're actually we're doing a show next month. We're doing Shockheaded Peter. Okay. And I saw the stage plot and I am on stage. You're right up there. Right. Yeah. But I was on stage for Hedwig. I was on stage for um Forbidden Planet. I was on stage for I'll be on stage for for Shockheaded Peter. But like I done stuff that was I did we did Silence of the Lambs a musical. Yeah. I was I was like behind I was underneath the stairs in the Jape for that. Right. Um but it came from from like I was super into doing it. I wanted to play drums and this was like my like entry point into it and and David Jenkins took a huge risk on me because like he just kind of asked around for re- like re- recommendations and everyone said, Oh yeah, he's legit. And I couldn't read music at the time. So like when I did Hedwig for the first time, I just drilled those songs for like a month. And Memorized just, them, yeah. And then when I went back and did it again, because we did it again, I think in 2018, 2017. Right. And I was like, I already know these songs still. But ever since then, it's been like, as I progress as a musician, like the stuff gets easier and it's, it gets a little more easy to like rehearse it. And was the theater your entry point into the jazz music or? Um, yes and no, because I... Um, I studied jazz when I was at HCC and when I was at UT. And so essentially, if you like major in drum set, yeah, um, that's like your thing is you focus on jazz. Because sure. There's no classical. There's not a lot of classical pieces for just drum set. Right. And so um, I studied with Dave Rudolph, um, who teaches at both those schools now. And that was like my whole entry point into it. And so that was like really where I like 
the snowball like got out of control. Well, that's the that's the Navy SEALs of drumming in a lot of yeah. ways. I mean, people will talk about metal, but you know, jazz. You know, and then you go back to those early drummers and just like Tony Williams and yeah. Max Roach and, and Elvin Jones is like the guy I like a lot. I just he's goofy personality, like a really good drummer. Yeah, well, and and what I kind of started to dig is is ten twenty years ago when there was this weird crossroads between hardcore and jazz, and you have like Dillinger Escape Plan, yeah, <laughs> and some of these bands like all of a sudden I was like, whoa, you know, that's that that just went a different direction completely. So. Yeah, but uh, who were your early drummers that you were kind of into? Um, Josh Freese is the guy who I still like like look up to and like want to be just like him in general. Okay, but like. Technique wise, like Gil Sharon, uh-huh. um, Dave Elich, um, Tony Williams, Max Roach, um, a lot of those dudes. I, I've discovered a few people like through online that I like a lot. There's a there's a guy in Australia. His name is Alexander Flood, mm-hmm. and he's um, a jazz guy, and he just like is crazy good phrasing. He's doing his own like solo drum set stuff, but he has like a fusion band called um, Eraser Description. Okay, and it's like. It's just him and like two synth players. And it's just a wild ride the whole time. That's interesting. I got to check that out. So um, when do you start playing in bands? When does that come about? Because you've, you've, you've got a, uh, well, you've sessioned with a lot of people. You're yeah. filling with a lot of people, but you've also got a pretty deep roster of bands that you're in, you know? Yeah. Um, so let's talk about that a little bit. When, when did you start doing that stuff? Um, I started playing in bands three months after I started playing drums. Well, okay. So I just, never- that, but that's, you know, that's, some, <laughs> that's the best music. Like I get in my car and I put on fucking damaged or I put on yeah. out of step. And I mean, those guys are a year into drumming, two years into drumming by that point. And mm-hmm. these are albums that I've listened to for 30 years, you know? Yeah. So it, I, I, I love, I, you know, I constantly have that conversation. Like you can, you know, th- these guys that you named or, or uh, who's the guy for tool that, um, oh, Dana Carey. Yeah. But literally like fucking Pete Moon knocking over his toms and, yeah. you know, puking in his kick drum and everything else. It's like, that's the best, you know? So anyway, um, so you started a band just a year into playing the drums. I like, I think I started in March of t- well, my eighth grade year and I played my first show May of my eighth grade year. What was that band name? Um, I think at that point our name was too far away. Okay. Or at least like the the pre version of that. Okay. Um, that was my friend Sam Salgado and I. We just we, Sam Salgado from Eighty One Bay. Yes, he's been on the show. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, yeah. Him and I went to middle school together. We, we, he we, gave me uh, Darth Maul and some of these beers over here. Yeah, I love. Yeah, Sam was in my my very first ever band. I don't think we talked music once. Jesus, I need a, I need a do over. I need a mulligan. Anyway, all right, yeah. cool. Um, so him and I had a had a band, and we did that for a bit, and then, um, I played for my first ska band, which is called the Pants. We did that for a number of years, and then the band that I did that really started to like tour and got me into like that whole thing was um, Paranoia Dance Party. Okay, I did that band for a while, and that was like a weird. I people call us like. Like Mr. Bungle, uh-huh. never listened to that band ever, but sure. apparently that's like what we sounded like. Well, if 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 a band doesn't sound like anything and sounds like everything, then Mr. Bungle is <laughs> yeah. pretty much what you compare it to. So, um, and then once I was in PDP, we were doing that a lot more. That's when I started to like fill in for bands a yeah. lot, and that's kind of where because also it was because Josh Freese going Who's back. Josh Freese play for everybody, and, okay. then, and then, so that's so Josh Freese plays for the Vandals full time. Okay, now he's he's like there, sure. but he's. Um, he's a big session guy in Southern California. So he's played on a few records. He's played on like the Rob Zombie record. Mm-hmm. He's played on like, think a Dwarves record, um, Avril Lavigne, Katy Perry. Right. But also, so he does all these different like huge pop things and also fucks off and goes plays with like, like the Vandals or right, something like right. that. Um, and Weezer and stuff, stuff like that. So it was like, well, am I, you know, continue quest to be Josh Freese. I want to be in every band playing everything. And so I filled in for this band from Tallahassee called chill monkey brains. Cause their drummer could make a show with like a day's notice. Uh-huh. And so learn their set played that. And that's kind of like where that whole started going. Sure. Um, filled in, did a tour with the band called the Adam age from okay. Oakland. Did okay. a tour with them. Wow. Yeah. So how did that, how did that get hooked up? They played with PDP um, I think in Mississippi and in 
Tampa. And then they found out that I could fill in for bands. And mm-hmm. so their drummer couldn't do the tour with like a month's notice. And so they asked me. And so they flew me out to Oakland. And then we started the tour started like in Wyoming. Was that your first national tour? No, that was probably like full national, like West Coast stuff. Yeah. But like I had toured the East Coast like three or four times. So right. I had done those like. 30 day tours already. So I was used to it. Yeah. But for me, it was like, cool. I got to go to California, Texas, all that stuff. And so flew out, did that, came back home and then, um, did, I think uh, that was also when job site stuff started coming. Right. In. Right. I remember I did a zoom or a Skype interview with David, um, on that Adam H tour for doing it to do Hedwig. So right. that was like right when the whole theater thing started happening too. You're um, a busy man. I try. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so let's keep going. Um, and then from there, filled in for. Uh, I'm sure I'm gonna forget a bunch of bands, but I'm gonna try and skip ahead to what I know off the top of my head. Filled in for, um, Joystick mm-hmm. from New Orleans. Okay. I, did, I did a weekend with up with them because I know the drummer. He couldn't do the shows, and so I did it for him. And then. Going towards um, vacancy, Derek couldn't make a few shows and then I started filling in. And then it ended up just me coming in to do vacancy full time. And then um, that like this year is when I started doing more stuff with Jeremy and Scotty Network. Okay. Um, so because October 2019, that was when Jeremy, um, they asked me to like, play for New York Comic Con with them because Jeremy had tracked all of the brass for the Steven Universe movie on okay. Cartoon Network. And sure. so they wanted to do like a music panel for NYCC. And so they were like, hey, you can learn music fast and I trust you. And right. So um, I got to fly out and do that. And then when COVID hit, I was like, hey, I, I got to I got to stay busy, like send me demos, send me stuff like were that. Were you teaching at this time, too? Yeah, because you're at School of Rock, and then you're doing other things. And uh, this past year, you've told me that you've been teaching at a you know brick and mortar. Uh, yeah. So I mean, I'm trying to figure out how you fit it all into your schedule. Plus, um, you said you had a girlfriend. Yes. Wow. Um. So for the longest time, I just really burned a candle at both ends. Um. I used to be a dog groomer for like for oh six, six, yeah. So for six or seven years. Oh, I did a tour with Rescuer too. Okay, they're a band for Tampa. That's I saw Drug Help Please. There's a oh yeah, there's a couple that Drug, are, Drug and I. Th- I actually started playing organ for Drug originally. Oh wow, okay. when I, I moved to Atlanta briefly, and then Christian, like who I usually play drums for something he was doing, he started um, Drug, and so when I came back, I was like, "Hey, you have a drummer? I can play piano because I go to school for music. Let's do it." And so I played organ for them and Help Police, which we now call Mining with Beach, and the same thing. Had drummers, drummers left. I played drums back in the saddle. <laughs> it's, you're you're like a relief pitcher or a kicker or something. It's exactly. Just, that. It's just every team <laughs> can use you, and there's a lot of longevity there. You can do it for a long time. Yeah. Um, so uh, as far as what you're into listening wise, does it mirror what you're playing in? I mean, you know, are you, do your taste change a lot based on what you're doing at the time, or do you kind of have stuff that you always circle back to? Um. I don't know. That's how I listen to doesn't make any sense. Like that's okay. All like station cases. Um, when we were doing a tour, there was like a period of time where I listened to exclusively like Coke Bust, Riff Raff, and Rob Zombie, and that was it. Okay. Um, but now there's just been a lot of killer Scott releases. Yeah. So I've been listening to all of those, but you know, depending on all my mood, I'll either put on. I don't know. I honestly just put on podcasts. For, for being, yeah, for no, it's real. true. As much as I love music. <laughs> no, it's true. As much as I love music, I spend a lot of time listening to people talking. I've got to be, you know, with music is kind of for me to zone out almost, you know. And so if I'm working out or if I'm running or if I'm riding my bike or whatever, obviously, if when you're rolling a lot of times, if you get control over the the what, what we're listening to on a given day, yeah, um, then you can kind of put your stuff on and listen to it. But if I'm in my car, it's usually podcasts or... Yeah, and a lot of that for me came from when I was in school for music, it was just all day analyzing music in rehearsal. It's true, yeah. And, I mean, and I was what like, you do all day long is not what you want to do. Yeah, and I was like, I just need like a break. So I would put on stuff like... Um, Stuff you should know. There's um, a really good drummer podcast called I'd Hit That. 
I listen to Crash Bang Boom, but I'll definitely check out. I'd hit that. Crash Bang Boom is one of my favorites. It's uh, got all, all the metal and oh, okay. on. yeah. But there is that um, like stuff from Nerdist I put on. Um, I just started listening to Bodega Boys. Okay, and that's like I, I try to fall asleep with that, but my girlfriend like doesn't like it because it's no. just them yelling at each other. Yeah, and I can fall asleep immediately. To whatever. <laughs> well, you're a drummer. You're probably half deaf anyway. <laughs> <laughs> do you still have the? Pa- I mean, do you still love it? Do you still find new things? Do you still? Oh yeah. I mean, you know, it, it, it's always interesting to me with with an instrument or whatever the case may be, like. Over a long enough time, how do you keep it exciting? How do you keep it interesting? Um, and that also comes from just like playing different things. Yeah. Like I love the fact that like I like last night practiced with um Monument Beach, my ska band. And then Saturday. Say it again slower. Monument Beach. Monument Beach. Okay. Um, and then Saturday I get to play a vacancy. And then Sunday, I'd start rehearsals for Shockheaded Peter for Jobs. Saturday, Saturday is tomorrow. Saturday's a vacancy vacancy show? Saturday is a vacancy practice. Oh, okay. Okay. So, okay. um, but I get to have to do that Sunday. Um, and then I start rehearsal for the job site show, Shotgun right. to Peter. So right. it's like this week I get to play three very different things. And so do you think that those sharpen your sword in other areas? Your time at job site helps you with vacancy. Your time in vacancy helps you with ska, like definitely kind of add a, a flavor or a sound or a whatever that maybe doesn't otherwise find its way in there. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I think it does. Honestly, actually one of the biggest things that's helped it is like a studying jazz and also playing in church. Um, I play at Lamona Village Chapel in Brandon, and that's probably helped my playing more than anything. Really? Yeah. I play to a metronome every Sunday. You're clear, yeah. Um, I can't play loud. I, right. have to, I have to play dynamically. Well, it's funny because this is this is, you know, uh I learned this from watching the uh the uh Foo Fighters documentary, but playing loud versus not playing loud, playing too fast. Yeah, all my drum knowledge comes from Foo Fighters and Whiplash. That's pretty much where <laughs> all my drummer knowledge comes from. But, you know, you're pushing or you're dragging or you're all this other stuff. But also, you know, I think when people start, they don't realize that there's another thing to do besides put all of your might into, you know. So it's kind of being yeah. able to pull back and also like the space in between things. And yeah. A lot of paint you're adding to your 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 palette there. Yeah. Well, I mean, when I was um, working with Dave at HEC and UT for my undergrad, um, he made a really good point where he's like, anyone can play it fast, but like you you know you have it when you can play it fast and quietly. Yeah. And so I apply that to everything. I Is can that play how, like, how you know you got it down? That's yeah. your last tier. Yeah. So I would do fast like Afro-Cuban stuff. I would do fast up-tempo stuff. And then I, I would also be like, let's see if I can play a D-beat really fast. Yeah. Or see if I can like blast really fast. And so that kind of like really like put like the control more in my hands than anything. Now, are you a fan of heavier music? I mean, you're in vacancy. Oh, yeah. so But like who are some of your heavier drummers? Um, let me think. I mean, I've been destroying Slayer songs on TikTok. Lombardo, so. I mean, is Lombardo. Yeah. yeah, I like I like Dave Lombardo a lot. Um, Do you know? Uh, is it Pedro Sandoval from Terrorizer and Morbid Angel? Oh, um. So there's a there's a if you haven't watched it yet, I'm, I tell everybody about it. There's a there's a documentary on YouTube called Slave to the Grind, which generally. People balk at it first because they think it's a Skid Row documentary. Yeah, and it's not, but it's it's about grindcore music and Terrorizer Sandoval. He he, there's this whole scene that goes through blast beats, like the beginning of blast beats, then all the different variation on blast beats. But with him, it was cool. I don't. They they seem to think he created it. You probably know way more <laughs> than I do. But he would do this pivot technique on the pedal yeah. instead of just hitting it. He would pivot his foot. And, and get it going so fast that way, much faster that way than you could just tap in your foot. Yeah. And so it's, it's a pretty cool scene where the, they go through all the different blast beats. So anyways, the, the one heavier drummer I definitely take notes from all the time is, uh, Chris Moore. Okay. Um, he plays, he used to play in Magruder Grind. Okay. Um, he play, I guess played in Coke Bus. They haven't played shows in a long time, but he was like, his setup was like crash cymbal, ride cymbal, two toms single bass pedal and was just like so consistent so loud um tommy from gouge away is also a guy like i'll take ideas from all the time um he also played axis okay the band from sure, sure yeah the one that really blew me away that i saw live was uh big business cody willis for big business and okay. he was in the murder city devils oh yeah i think yeah. you and i messaged yeah, about we did this mention and that, i was yeah. sending you he just I, there i had a physical reaction to him like 
he's a diminutive guy. Like he's not a big guy. And it's funny because, you know, you think you need to be this big person to get these big sounds out of drums. And that's mm-hmm. not always the case. And Cody's a smaller guy, but he just, it, I don't know, very tribal beat to it. You could feel it in your chest. And, yeah. And it would just, and it, it wasn't always necessary. What do I want to say? It wasn't complimentary. I guess it was complimentary, but he wasn't just playing along with, well, it's just a bass and a drummer in that band. But, you know, I always like when people are kind of on their own thing and somehow yeah. they sound good together, but they don't necessarily go together yeah if you played them separately it would it would still have context sure 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 so anyway um yeah uh so let's talk a little bit about covid i mean you losing your ability to play live go practice with people play at theaters i mean what the fuck how did you how did Um, you get through that the only way i got through it was um jer from scotch network and their project jer um we had talked about jer as like a project and then when COVID hit i was like what's up i have nothing but time let's start doing demos right and so they would send me tracks from um gainesville and then i would record drums send it back to them and then they would send it to reed in california and then she would um mix and master it and that, that would go out and then i did like a video for scotty network which is their youtube channel and then it turned into let's do another one and then I'm going to do um, a record that's just music from the video game Undertale. Can you do all the song, <laughs> all the songs for yeah. it? So I did like, I think it was 12 tracks for that. Hey, I'm going to do a Christmas record. Can you do that? Another 12 songs. Hey, I'm doing an Animal Crossing record. Can you do that? 12 songs. Hey, I'm doing a pop record. Can you do that? <laughs> so yeah, yeah. it was like just constantly giving me songs to work on. Right. So it let me still record how do you write like do you do you just do your drum do you just do it or do you do you want a concept first or do you want to listen to a a riff or do you want like oh it's great how much information do you need to kind of write something um typically like i'm i'm recording drums for a band called moon gloom right now in in uh cali and they're giving me like a rough sketch of like the feel jer just gives me like a fully programmed drum part being like play this yeah and so it's like i can make my chart i know what they're looking for yeah and then i just play it and i'll change some fills give it like just a little bit of like depth or yeah like like a human touch to it sure and that's bam that's what it is wow so i have my first band practice uh saturday uh nice and uh it's everybody else who's in the band have, have been in bands before. And so it's funny. Cause like, I keep trying to like plan stuff and they're like, yeah, that's not really how that works. And, or, you know, <laughs> it's like, Hey, I wrote, I wrote this stuff. It's like, well, don't you want to know what the song sounds like before you start writing? You know? So it's, I'm, 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 I'm getting a crash course. And it's funny. Cause I'm taking a uh, singing lessons with a school of rock guy. Oh, cool. Uh, do you know Anthony Nuccio? He's, he's, yes. Uh, yeah. He's up in Baltimore, but he does a lot of theater and does yeah. a lot of stuff. And, He's a personal big old. It looks like uh, Jason Momoa or something. Oh yeah, he's a, yeah. He's a really. It's it's funny because I I do the lessons here after everybody leaves because I'm so fucking embarrassed. I don't want. Oh, do you do them uh, through Zoom? Still? Zoom, but he's got this, and you probably know what it is. It's like this companion program that you run with Zoom, so yeah. he can tell where he's at if I'm like on pitch and tune. Oh, cool, and cool. all that stuff. Because if you're in Zoom and there's delay, you don't know where I'm at. Yeah, over the computer. So it's been interesting because I've got no background in it whatsoever, way outside of my depth. Now the band uh, "Prisoner Hostage" is the name of it, and it's going to be kind of more of a heavier hardcore thing. So nice, I can scream and probably fake it till I make it. <laughs> a good deal. But he's helping me kind of. It's funny today. I was I was on this uh, Nick Cave trip, and uh, I, I texted him a song. I was like, "Can you make me sound like Nick Cave?" And he's like. He's like, I'm not going to say I can't. And he's a mid-range singer and you've got a deep voice. So, but it really depends on how much time you want to spend yeah. getting there. So we'll see. We'll see if my Nick Cave album comes out in the next decade or so. But <laughs> in any event. Um, so tell me about jujitsu. How did you get into jujitsu? Um, Josh Couture, who I don't know if you heard the band, actually speak louder. He plays in a band called Prime now. Okay. And um I had known him for a long time, just in and out of like the hardcore scene. And I ran to him at a Chipotle randomly and we got talking and he has his black belt in jujitsu. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so he was under I, who Um, it's he's at Gracie Tampa North. OK, is that Con or I think yeah. so? Yeah, yeah. maybe I'm not sure. I can't remember who it yeah. was, Um, but he was talking to me about it and he kind of like made it seem a lot better because I thought it was going to be like super like 
early 2000s Fox UFC, like macho stuff. It's not at all. And so I was like, okay, I'll give it a try. And we'll talk about coordination, rubbing your belly and patting your head. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of crossover there, you know? Yeah. And so I was looking for a gym because like Gracie Hippin North was just a little bit too far because that for living in Seminole Heights. And um, I found Ybor City Jiu Jitsu. Um, so are you there with Joe Kaiser and all those guys or? Um, uh, I'm not sure. I don't you, think I've, I've. Well, I'm thinking of the club in Ebor. Is that yeah. the same thing? Yeah. So Joe, he's a lead singer in the path. He's a guitarist for um, Slap Reality. Oh. He was a no fraud. He's a, I think he's a black belt in judo. And he's like yes. a purple belt in jujitsu. Um, I have gone to classes with him like while when I used to do like the Saturday morning classes sure. yeah, before yeah. COVID. Yeah. I don't know him personally. Um, I train usually at like 6 a.m. Oh, yeah. Just just for shows happening in the evenings. Yeah. Um, but it's a great, great club. I, I love it. When did you there. start? What year? Uh July 2019. Okay. So are you are you a blue or where, where are you? Three stripe white. Okay. Um, yeah, no, I, I started in 2008 and did it pretty heavily for about five years. And then I had my daughter Stella in 2014 mm-hmm. and that marked the end of me going routinely. <laughs> and recently I've started going back, taking privates. Well, it's funny because you know, the whole thing with jujitsu is kind of the school you start in is your, you know, your kind of yeah. your gang and you really don't ever break out of your gang. And so I started with Hobson Mora and followed him around all the different schools he did. And it was just, you know, when you get into it in the beginning, it's just like everything. Like it's all you think about. You're watching YouTube videos. <laughs> yeah. It's just fucking everything. It's all you think about. And then, you know some people with kids, you know, it's good for them to get out of the house and do it. But I don't just the way I am as a father, like. Even to be here tonight, I had to get a babysitter just because I, I, I get so guilty <laughs> leaving my kids with my wife without anybody there to help her. But I, in any event, where the story I was going to tell is I've been wanting to get back and start going and get at Hobson, but I'm everybody I started with is a black belt now and I'm still a blue belt. Oh, so I'm yeah. like, I like, I'm. 60 pounds heavier. <laughs> I haven't trained in forever. All the guys that I used to be able to hang with will now just destroy me. So, uh, Kevin Gallagher is one of the coaches at, uh, Matt Arroyo's place, uh, Gracie South, and now he yeah. just he just opened up his own school in Trinity. He's been doing private lessons with me, but it's fucking brutal having been out of the game for that long. Yeah, and then I started going to I, I also did kickboxing at Tampa Muay Thai, and so I started going back there, and it's just like doing this at forty five versus doing this at thirty five. It's just a fucking different game. So, word of advice is don't ever stop, even if it's just one day a week. Like, yeah, you know. I um, I only time I took time off was for COVID. Um, well, obviously, yeah. Yeah, I took I took um, a good deal off. And so getting back into it and like also wearing a mask while doing it was like Brutal. so hard. But I mean, now my cardio is out of control. That's like, awesome. It probably helps you with your drumming, too. Yeah. it's. I mean, it's a different kind of movement I would get. But still, like jujitsu cardio and, you know, boxing cardio or drumming cardio are different types of. Yeah, it's very, very things. Different. But still, I, I think you're adding you're adding, you know, tools to the toolbox. Yeah. Now, the thing I'd worry about is fucking jamming your finger or breaking your arm or tweaking your wrist. Like, yeah, I mean, I, I tap often because yeah. not also because I'm trash still. But like I tap also, I'm just like, yeah, you you, you got it. Yeah. Like, I'll, I'll tap for that. Yeah. Um, I did my first tournament on. Two weeks ago, three weeks How ago. How was that? It was good. It definitely was like a big motivation to like not be this big anymore. Oh, well, no, I, I'll hear, I hear you there because, you know, I'll show you pictures of when I was doing it full, full, full gear. I was 210 and I was slender or whatever. Yeah. Now I'm like 285 and it, it's just hard to move my ass, you know, like yeah. I'm trying to shrimp and I'm like, fuck, and I'm doing these <laughs> Pratt falls and I'm like, oh, this is just like, you know, the warm up is yeah. gassing me out. So, it's brutal. But the thing with me with the tournaments and it, it always bummed me out. I know it goes away, but I would just have the worst adrenaline dumps. Like, oh, I would, yeah, I would be killing it in class with the guys that I always roll with. And I, you know, I was hanging in there, tapping people, doing all the stuff and really confident. I mean, not, not the best of the class, but not the worst. You know, I was I was in the middle You're hanging. Yeah. And then I go to these tournaments and like I'd shoot a leg and just fucking miss it or whatever. And then that was it. It was just like. Okay, I'm going to fucking lay here for the next four minutes and yeah. try not to get submitted, you know. And, like, I did absolutes and I did my division. And, gi or no gi? Uh, gi. Okay. Um, I really just started to actually commit to doing no gi, too. Gi is my absolute favorite. Same. I mean, yeah. no gi is cool and all, but if I had to pick one, it's always going to be gi. Yeah. Uh, and, and for a, a number of reasons, 
maybe you'll agree, and I've talked about this with other guys on here, but especially with a big, as a bigger guy, you can slow the smaller guys down with the gi that you can't with a no gi. When you're rolling with a, a little guy, mm-hmm. a little you know monkey climbing all over you, and no gi, it's just fucking brutal. Yeah, well, it's it's weird because like I did no gi Wednesday, and we were doing different drills, and we were doing like you know rolling, and I got to someone's guard, and I was just like what do I grab? <laughs> like I'm yeah. looking for like, like, like the pants or like the lapel. And I'm like, what? And it's I was, all gable grips. And you know, you know, you get the, the tie locks in the back of the head and risk all that stuff. But it's just, everybody's sweaty and fucking, you know, oh, yeah. it's just slippery and ugh, you know, with the, with the gi, I, I just dug it. Cause like you said, you know, I got your collar, I got your sleeves and I can kind of work a game in on you. Whereas I, I think you have to be much more cardio, have much more, cardio fitness to do no gi than you do gi yeah um, i mean the the no gi stuff i feel like if you have like a wrestling background you would really excel in it because oh, you're sure. already doing doing those grips um i don't have any background in any of it so i'm like all right this gi stuff is kind of working with no gi but it is you also don't have any ba- bad habits that you have to unlearn so yeah so you're a you're a blank slate so that's pretty good but i i think i, I want to do no gi for my, my next tournament but i'm definitely I'm 262 right now. I need to get under 230 before I do another tournament. How tall are you? Like 6'1", 6'2"? Yeah, about six. Yeah, yeah. Sucks, man. And wait, I mean, you're younger, but it's, it's a fucking brutal. You yeah. Know, it's just, it's a, for those that, for those that it's a battle for it, you know, it doesn't make sense to people who don't have an issue with it, but it's just like, yeah, I know stop eating, but it's, the, you know. Yeah. It's, yeah. Patton Oswald always had a funny thing. It's like. You don't have to stick Coke in your nose. You don't have to stick heroin in your veins. You have to put food in your mouth. Yeah. So it's not like you can just stop eating. You've got to like moderate it. And that's always the the tough thing to do. Yeah. And it's like I, I lost a lot of weight um like 10 years ago. But like, you know, when you gain five, six pounds a year for 10 years. Yeah. Bam. That's like 60 pounds. Sure. And like, it, it'll feel like when, like, when I be like, get this big again, and then it's way easier putting it on. And by the way, I'm not saying anything. You're, oh, no, you're, don't worry. You're, I am. You're a sexy beast. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not saying anything about that, but I just, I, I, this is always my struggle. And the first part of this year, I was killing it at Orange Fitness and, uh, Orange Theory and all that other stuff. And then this last month or two, uh, just, gotten out we went on some trips and then the other thing that's fucked me up is all these breweries keep opening up around yeah. here and i'm like going like every other day and trying out magnanimous or all these places and it's like oh well there's more calories i didn't, yeah. didn't need in my body but in any event so uh are you stoked to have all these live music experiences coming up i mean oh, you're yeah. gonna be a busy man for the remainder of this year i'm interested to see how it goes while i'm teaching full-time um. That's right. So yeah, we didn't even really, we talked about that before we even got started, but, and that's interesting. Let's talk about that for a second. So on top of every other thing that you're doing, you're teaching. Now, what was the name of the school again? Um, the Florida Autism Center of Excellence. Okay. And uh, is it brick and mortar or is it virtual? Or? Um, it, it was mostly brick and mortar, some online students. Okay. Now, did, do you, did you get a degree in education? I mean, how uh, did music ed? Uh, music ed. Okay. So degree in music. So the special needs, this was your kind of first foray into that world? Um, from the, like the classroom setting, sure. yeah. Now, did you have to do training for that or is it just kind of sink or swim? Um, a little bit of both. I mean, I had I had to do a lot of like onboard training to get into it. Um, I'm going to have to do some new like, you know, like 40 hours of training in the next six months to kind of like really get brought up to speed more. Um, but a lot of it was just kind of like, you know, this is also the first year of them ever having music. Sure. And so it was like, let's just feel it out. You know, we'll use this year to kind of like get them in a routine of like having music, having this new thing, new expectations. And then we'll start to kind of like really build the walls. We've laid a foundation and now we're building the walls of it. Well, it's funny because we talked about kind of your evolution of drumming. You know, you start off in the early days with kind of the pop punk and the ska, and then you kind of break out into theater, jazz, and all this other stuff. So with your education, you know, it's kind of in a similar way taking that path. You know, you probably started off doing private lessons with people yep. who were seeking out learning what it was that you were teaching, and you've now matriculated into this world of people that maybe are interested but have these challenges that are unique to them, which I would have to imagine kind of has sharpened your ability to communicate communicate concepts that maybe you haven't had to figure out a different way to communicate them. I mean, is that? Yeah. I mean, it's all been like a big learning experience too. Um, 
because aside from me, like not teaching music, music in the classroom, I, they're also like still learning how to learn music in the classroom. Yeah. I definitely think I really hit a good stride this year is, um, there's a thing called Chrome Music Lab. Okay. And they have like synthesizers and drum machines on it, but they do music by color, not okay. like on like a staff. And so sure. I was doing pieces like of common core music. <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. And so we, um, for a few weeks, we were making different pieces of music with each class, but instead of them having to know like quarter notes, eighth notes and stuff like that, we were still getting to that. Um, it was pick a color and we'll put it on the board and then we'll see what, what our song sounds like. So I would give them like a rhythm with a drum machine and then they would pick the colors. And then it came to a point of like, cool. And now you see what happens whenever you pick colors. Now you get to go up and you get to pick on the board where your color is. Right. And we got some cool things out of Arrangements, it. Arrangements, yeah. And so I think electronic music is really on the rise, especially for music ed. Yeah. It's so accessible. It's yeah. like you don't have to have like the face for a brass instrument or for a wind instrument, the coordination for like for like a string instrument. I mean, you know, the vocal ability to the sing in a choir and you can still participate and you can still make really cool music that you can have you, the number one selling album in the country yeah <laughs> with no fucking musical talent whatsoever <laughs> yeah and it, it's i i thought it was super cool because like i had forgot about it until like last month yeah and so i'm gonna probably dive way more into that next year and like just start building more with that because a lot of kids were like super into it and like want to like create the rhythm for it. i was like cool that's that's our two shapes we can do that it's it's a tough it's a tough thing for you know people music fans you know i have this conversation like i always have this shorthand for stuff that i hate it's usually like edm or mm-hmm. walmart country or whatever i call it you know <laughs> but i it, it's very easy to write off electronic music uh you know but there's merit there and you know there's people who've really done interesting things with it and you know i i think i think it does well, it's both super popular and kind of, you know, gets a bum rap at the same time. But it, 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 it much in the same way, like studio production has gotten so much easier than it used to be, you know, real to real tape where now it's like a fucking MacBook or, yeah. or an iPhone. Um, so the ability to record has become much easier. Now the ability to play is going to become a lot easier. The ability to consume, it's just all these things are making it putting it much more into everybody's hands than yeah. you know, the classically trained. And I think also like electronic music we think about as just like dance music, but like if you go back 60 years, it was like classical music. Yeah. Like that was like a huge thing. Um, The album switched on Bach from Wendy Carlos. That was like a huge record. And it was just her playing Bach on like a Moog. Yeah. Synth. Yeah. Well, so, you know, Bowie, Bowie goes through a period where he's got like a, was it Nile Rogers and, and, you know, he get his let's dance. My, my, is that me or? That's you. Oh, wow. That's weird. I got, I got ghosts in my phone. <laughs> um, you know, so there's that. And then I, there's like Tangerine Dream who used to do a lot of the, you know, slasher flicks and stuff. Yeah. And John Carpenter kind of synthy, you know. So, and now it's just like, I don't know if you're Carpenter Brood or some of these other bands that are like kind of a takeoff on that. But I remember when the Drive, the movie Drive came out and that's yeah. soundtrack with Kavinsky. And, you know, I was like, this is kind of cool. I can get behind this. So there's definitely more out there than the, you know, the headache music that. You know, yeah, and I think it's also it's branched out of just being a type of music that uses only synths. Now, I mean, I think Show Me the Body uses a lot of like synth and stuff like that. It's be, I mean, Code Orange got sure. really heavy. I love like, The Armed, which is uh, you know, and Elliot just gone apeshit over that album, but you know, they have a lot of keyboards in there. Genghis, uh, Genghis Tron, yeah, yeah. They, they do that. That's kind of this whole other, you know. Or the the locusts, yeah, and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. And so I love it. I think it's cool. Yeah, and so I mean, I like the idea of using electronic music as just like another instrument that you sure. can just put into it. Same thing as like people who are like singer songwriters use acoustic guitar. Singer songwriters can also just use a synth and like a drum machine. Well, and this is kind of a uh, emblematic of who you are. You do you like to not exist in one lane, you know, yeah. in, all, in all lanes at once or in different lanes at different times. And I think that's great. You know, it's a it's a way to kind of create something new and and improve other things in a way that people who just practice that type of music, you know, yeah, and like with music ed, like as a degree. 
it's funny because like I went into it like not doing a high school music program. And so usually when you do music ed, it's because you want to teach either like elementary music, like marching bands, chorus or orchestra. Right. And I had went to HCC first. And so I had did chorus. I had did jazz band. And I was like, why do you music get on drum set? I'm like, I don't know, I want to teach music. Like yeah. I I want to do it and I want to get this degree. And so so it was just like such a weird square peg round hole thing where they were like, well, we, we don't understand why you're doing this. I'm like, I, I don't, same. Don't, don't worry about it. Take my money. <laughs> yeah. <shut up. laughs> I was like, I don't know what I'm doing either. Yeah. I, and so when it came down to doing my internship for music ed, they were like, well, you're an instrumentalist. And so we're going to have you do bands. And I was like, I mean, I also want to teach choir. I'm like, why? I'm like, because I take vocal lessons and I have had more experience doing choir than I did in, in band. But I mean, I had a really good internship. Um, Kelsey, um, who I worked with, was like super helpful and really like got me wanting to teach middle school band a lot more. And so I had a good internship, but like it was just that was my first really positive experience in like the band world. Right. And you know like, Tyler Coy? Yes. Santa Paws. Yeah. Um, yeah. He was. Um, he's a school rock guy, too. Yeah. He's yeah. school rock north. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I digress. So um, what shows do you have coming up? I have Shockheaded Peter. Okay. At um, Strat Center. Okay. That opens June 9th. Okay. Um, runs for seven. What is Shockheaded Peter? It sounds like an 80s slasher film. So it sounds like Rawhead Rex. Do you watch The Office? I do. Okay. So th- the episode of Take Your Daughter to Work Day. Okay. When Dwight is reading the kids the story of. of oh, okay. That shock headed Peter. Okay. Okay. That, so, it's, it's, so, so it's it's the it's the musical version of that. Okay. All um, right. That's awesome. And that's going to be a wild time. We had our first rehearsal for the musicians last Sunday to kind of talk about music. And the music is just. Talk about electronic music and like weird things. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty much playing only brushes on a drum set, but not really in like the jazz brushes sure. sense. Um, there's theremins, there's bowed saws, there's all sorts of stuff. It's, it's, it's going to be who's the brainchild of this. Like who's writing the music. Who's the, um, they gave us music as like a launching point, but Jeremy Douglas, um, he's the guy who's been, um, really like, we're going to do this. Here's how we're going to orchestrate it kind of thing. He does, a thing called the Ford of Orchestra. Oh wow! Um, and so he's like a huge like thing that he does. He did um a Peter Gabriel show. He did um Buffy Fest. That's okay. like his whole thing. Sure. Um, but he's the one who's like the brainchild between a lot of stuff we do musically. He's been doing stuff with Job Site um since Lizzie, and that was like two thousand. 15, 16, 17, something like that. Ages ago. Yeah. <laughs> Feels like. Feels like yeah, decades <laughs> yeah. ago. Yeah. Um, so, so you got that coming up. What else? Do you have any shows booked with vacancy yet or any of the other bands or? Uh, we have Fest. Okay. That's, oh, that's right. I'm going to Fest. I would be seeing you there. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Um, I think that's all I have that is confirmed. Sure. Um, there are some things that uh, have not been the ink hasn't dried yet, yeah. so I'm don't want to mention them, remiss to bring them up. Yeah, or just be like talk about it, and it doesn't happen. Like, right. Well, I look like a jerk. Right, right, right. Um, but I think it's really. Oh, and then um, shout. I think is coming back. Maybe I shouldn't talk about that one either. I don't know. <laughs> there's so many things out of this that are like. Well, right. <laughs> there's like shows coming up. So long story short, fest in October. Shockheaded Peter, June 9th. What about recording anything? Are you got are you working on writing music? I um mean- next, well, vacancy, we're starting the, the writing process. Sure. So we're, we're gonna start doing that. Um, I record drums for the Jair full length next Friday okay. in Tampa. And okay. so that will be out fallish of 2021. And vacancy whenever we do things is when that's going to come out sure (laughs) we're just now really starting to get the ball actually rolling i can't wait i can't wait i've I've never seen elliot live it's funny because i play for the staff his music and i'm like that's elliot (laughs) because he's either quiet or he's bitching at his computer 
And then like, and like he fucking, he goes to the burger spot every day and he's like at the gym now. And I was yeah. Like, I was like, all right, well, I mean, whatever, whatever floats your boat. He had texted me about, are you going to be here? And I, I was um, going to be here at like 6.30. He's like, oh, I'm about to go to the gym. And I was just like, dang, I went at 6 a.m. You're going to go at 6 p.m. That's good. You guys compliment each other. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming by. I really appreciate it. We've been trying to schedule it. And I know both of our schedules are kind of kooky, but we were able we to did get it. you in. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. I love what you do. I can't wait to see you guys play at fest. I can't wait to see what else you guys come up with. My wife will probably want to go see. <laughs> she, we, we used to be season ticket holders over there and, oh, cool. and, but you know, we're there quite often. So I would say buy them now. The first They're two weeks, sell out quick. the first two weeks are pretty much all sold out already. All right, I'll have to check that out. Woody Bond, thank you so much for coming by. It thank was a you. pleasure talking to you. Uh, amazing artist. Uh, you know, I think it's cool what you're doing with the kids over at the school. And obviously, jujitsu is a passion of mine. So uh, hopefully you can come back on after you have some of your new material out and have done some new shows. Maybe we can have a, a post-fest, uh, you know, play-by-play, see how that went. Sign so, me up. Let's right. do it. All right. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you.